0: Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Jay Peach and Chris Moss. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the
1: podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at ATOPodcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram.
0: In this episode, we're having a look at the latest news in the world of Formula 1 and some of the different formulas too. We'll also be taking a look at this weekend's Azerbaijan Grand Prix. But first, Chris, let's take a look at what's been happening with the latest news around Formula 1. So this week has been a very
1: busy week in terms of motorsport. Obviously, we said that the uh, Indy 500 was going to be the same day as the Monaco Grand Prix. It turns out it was just qualifying. That was just me being a bit silly, really. Um, but last week was the actual race day. Um, and legend car driver Helio Castroneves came through from 8th on the grid to win the legendary event. And it is a big occasion in Indy 500 because it is also the joint record fourth time that anybody has won the event. 12 years since his third win. And he's now joined the legends of AJ Foyt, Al Unser and Rick Mears to have won the race four times. So congratulations to him.
0: Yeah, I saw some of the highlights of the IndyCar race. And um, I think the thing that amazes me about IndyCar and the well, especially the Indy 500 is just how bonkers the event is like. They're literally going 230, 240 mile an hour consistently. I know Formula One is dangerous, but... Um, But there's, you know, there's more opportunities for braking and um, you're not literally flat out for the entirety of the race. And um, of course, apart from the pit stops, I just I find it absolutely mad that that people will just go around an oval for that long that fast and and literally not quiver at all um but you know that's that's what you get for being a a racing driver i guess that's why they're the best and helio won it four times now i mean also for four times as well not to have crashed in those four times either and come out on top is um it's quite an achievement i just think yeah uh, with, there's no room for error with the Indy 500 is there really I know there's I know there's sort of no room for error in Formula 1 but there really isn't in the Indy 500
1: no if you have, a, have an incident in the Indy race that's it I mean, obviously if you break a front wing or something in Formula 1 you have a chance to get back to the pits obviously if you have a crash you know going 230 kilometers an hour you're going to do more than break a front wing so uh, and obviously there's been times where it has been very very serious accidents Um. But yeah, it, you know Hedo's always been very, very good at the 500. I mean, he came second a few years ago when Takuma Sato won it for a second time. Uh, but you know, it's uh, he, he's definitely he definitely belongs up there with with all these amazing drivers because you know, I think I think he's also the the second oldest driver. Behold, but I think it's behind. It might be AJ Foyt or Al Anza, but he's second oldest to win Indy.
0: That's mad. And taking those G forces as well, that age, it's um, you know, got to be got to be keeping really fit and active and and you know healthy. As, as we know, they're athletes, aren't they? So to maintain that as well is is almost another achievement in itself. Um, Extreme E, uh, last weekend, Chris, we had um another battle between Rosberg and Hamilton, but rather against each other. They're two teams.
1: Yeah. Um it seems to be the biggest story of the Extreme E is the Hamilton versus Rosberg uh, battles again. Um, and, you know, it is an interesting one. Things didn't pan out as probably what was expected after what happened in the first Ypres. But, you know, things happened. I'll, I'll let you explain uh, the, re- the results.
0: Yeah, well, basically... Um... We had another battle at the front of the championship. Nico Rosberg's team came from behind the Lewis hamilton back team, to win the second of five races. Um, So Molly Taylor and uh, Johan Christofferson now have a 14-point lead in the championship ahead of uh, Christina Gutierrez and uh, Sebastian Loeb of Team X44. And we know Sebastian Loeb is a revered rally driver um, in the World Rally Championship, so he's he's no stranger to the off-road series at all. And um, something of a legend, I guess, really. Um, But yeah, it's that, that... what we saw in, in Formula One, sort of the um, Rosberg, always there, always fighting in some way and, and ruffling the feathers uh, of Hamilton's team. Well, in this in this instance, the team. So um, yeah, it's it's looking uh, it's looking interesting, hotting up a little bit. I'm still getting my head around some of the rules, if I'm honest with you, and and the formats. Um, but yeah, it's it's only of course the second round. So um, excited for the the next round, of course. And we've got some breaking news
1: from this weekend uh, regarding Formula One, and that is, of course, the Singapore Grand Prix is going to be cancelled. It was due to take place uh, the first weekend of October on the first and the third uh, weekend, and uh, it's now been cancelled due to the immigration restrictions that have been placed upon Singapore due to the COVID pandemic. F1 are now looking for an alternate venue to take its place for that weekend. It's going to be tight to find a track and it's also in the middle of a, a triple header. Um, Jake, do you have any suggestions that if anyone from Formula 1 uh, is listening, that c- give a, a track suggestion to that could be either in Asia or in the Oceanic region?
0: Well, we haven't been to Malaysia for a while, have we? Um, around that's, that's a good shout. Around Sepang, so we could go there, but I don't know if that sort of that that slate was kind of uh, drawn clean now, and not, and that was that. Um, of course, we still have the uh, track in South Korea that we went to, that was I believe was purposely built for Formula One in Yeongam, but um, of course with tensions um, between there and North Korea, I don't know if it will be fairly f- uh, feasible at the moment to do that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a bit of an old one, isn't it? Really? I mean, see, and, and the thing that frustrates me, and I think I was saying to this to you, um, away from the podcast the other day, what uh, the literally yesterday when we found out, um, it's always the good tracks that like get taken away. Like Singapore was, I think, um, quite a favourite among the drivers, and everyone loved it a lot. I know that it's been forced because of um the pandemic, but it is a shame because um. Obviously, Form One have been able to make the other circuits work within the restrictions. And um, yeah, just a real shame that it's that's kind of gone this Absolutely. way.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this could be a catalyst for um, other tracks potentially having to pull out if more restrictions are put on. Obviously, most of the teams are, you know, English based. And obviously, the UK government has obviously just changed. So the likes of Portugal have, It's now gone on to like the amber list. This could potentially open up the gateway for more countries having to pull out of the championship if, you know, they can't get their cars to the circuits from the factory.
0: Yeah, so it's a real shame. Um, but we always thought this might happen. We always thought the calendar was going to change. It was. It was going to be pretty unlikely that we were going to go through the whole Formula One season without any alterations. Um, but as I say, I'm sad to lose a track like Singapore because I think it's is a really really cool circuit. Um, and somewhat, I'm I'm happy that we've gone to Monaco and not missed that for another year. So I guess we can't have it all, you know. This this season, we're, we've had we've had one amazing track, and if we have to give that away for another one then I guess so be it but uh, yeah Malaysia could be an option but I don't know what you know the COVID situation is there particularly um, and how the uh, UK government will respond to it of course with with their restrictions their list and as you say a lot of the the teams are British so um, yeah might be quite difficult to make that happen but um, I mean this is the am I right in saying the biggest calendar we've ever had um in 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 history of formula 1 anyway so it wouldn't be strange to have one less race i guess um 20 yeah exactly so i don't think it's the it's in the the worst thing in history and i guess when they were planning this calendar at the start of the season they were probably thinking along the same lines as well so uh yeah sad but um realistically probably the right decision From a team perspective in the news this week, uh, the Sauber team, currently known as Alfa Romeo in Formula 1, is in talks with a group called Stellantis, which was created by a Merger of a Fiat Chrysler group, they also uh, own Alfa Romeo, of course. But uh, between the PSA group as well, they're looking to form a partnership with them. They own Peugeot, Citroën, and uh, the Open and Vauxhall brands too. And uh, this deal, if it does go ahead, is looking to continue the brand of Alfa Romeo past the end of the current 2021 deal. Very interesting that we have all of these different car companies. I guess, in Formula One, under the guise of a single brand, Alfa Romeo. Um, and, and Peugeot, of course, have, have been very big in a lot of different racing series. Uh, World Endurance Championship, they're quite familiar in as well. Uh, Rally Championships as well. They're, they're a big uh, constructor in a lot of series. Um, yeah, what, what do you make of this, Chris? It's quite an interesting strategic play by the looks of it, if it does go ahead.
1: Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> I mean, Alfa Romeo, it was a lovely thing to have back. Obviously, they were one of the original, um, well, champions back in the 1950s. They, they won the very first uh, championship. And um, yeah, yeah. it's sort of nice to have that brand back. And, uh, you know, we've got the likes of Kimi Racing under him at the minute and Antonio Giovinazzi, who, who also wants to uh, have a new contract deal as well um, with the team. But it's, it's good to have that sort of backing. They've got like obviously big. You know, money behind them obviously, a big brand that has got all these manufacturers as well. Um, so it can only be a good thing, really. Um, you know, especially, you know, we we saw the Salva team struggling quite a lot in the hybrid era, um, when it wasn't with Alpha, and obviously, it's not been successful to the extent of uh, other teams, but they've been in points regularly and you know, they've not been at the bottom, so it's, um, Hopefully it's a thing that they can sort of push on and sort of, and hopefully with the next rule change for the next season, hopefully it can sort of push them further up the grid as well. And it'd be great to see, you know, an Alpha Romeo potentially win a race. It'd be mean, that'd be nice to sort of see on our screens.
0: How about that? That would be amazing. Taking us back decades, um, as you say, to the 1950s. But I was just thinking about this as you were saying that. It would be quite odd to see Fiat or chrysler on the formula 1 grid wouldn't it uh, or or like citroen perhaps um well citroen have done world rally but or or vauxhall i mean my road cars are vauxhall um it would as be odd <laughs> as is yours yeah it'd be very odd to see those particular brands on an f1 grid so i kind of when i was when you were saying that thinking it does make logical sense for alfa romeo to sort of front those Brands and those constructors, as it were, because they've had the history in the sport from you know way back in the 50s.
1: I mean, most of these um, car manufacturers have their own sort of motorsports, anyway. I mean, Mm. I mean, Vauxhall they do British touring cars, I I dare say, like the Opal team do uh, DTM. Yeah, Uh, you got Citroën, obviously, World Rally, Peugeot does Rally, they do World Endurance. Um, and Peugeot obviously do Moto GP bikes as well, um, so they've got you know pedigree within world motorsports. Um, but Alfa Romeo is just sort of like a bit more prestigious as a brand. Um, they they do sort of higher end cars compared to the traditional road cars that you know the likes of you and I drive. So I can sort of see why that be the 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 one. I mean I couldn't imagine a Fiat F one car to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Can
0: you imagine?
1: A Fiat five hundred oh, driving around the streets of Monaco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It'd be good for parking though, if you retired. Oh, it's true, but so would a Mini Just- Cooper. <laughs> Uh, Right, that's all the latest news now uh, for this week in uh, Formula 1 and some of its sister formulas around it. Let's take a look now at a preview of this week's Grand Prix around the streets of Baku in Azerbaijan for the Formula 1 World Championship. So this week sees us return to the streets of Baku, the circuit that's been fantastic for overtakes, surprise podiums, surprise crashes as well, and the legendary castle section over the last few seasons. It's been two years since we were last here, actually, which is quite hard to believe, of course, with the pandemic and all. Uh, the circuit has been reprofiled a little at the castle section removing one of the bumps there to make it a little bit easier and quicker for the drivers. The last time out, if you remember, it was Valtteri Bottas, who was victorious ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel in 2019. But one driver who has always done very well at this circuit is Sergio Perez. He has been on the podium twice previously in the inaugural 2016 European Grand Prix um, in Baku, of course, and again in the chaotic 2018 Grand Prix, both third place in the Force India team uh, as well. Sergio's already started well with the fastest time in practice so far as of this recording in FP2. He's looking to find his groove now in in that Red Bull. So um, hopefully Max has a little bit more support when he's uh, going forward. Um, So only be a positive feeling, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be his
1: first season in a front running car um, at this circuit. This leads us to wonder whether he'll get his first ever Red Bull podium. I mean, he's still looking for it. His teammate obviously leading the Drivers' uh, Championship. Um, But it'd be nice to see him get a podium for Red Bull, um, especially at this track. You know, it's a track that he's clearly very, very strong at. Um, But also, hopefully, he can get a victory this season. And hopefully this can be the first of many in his his time at Red Bull. But this then leads us to whether Red Bull will play the team game, uh, whether Sergio is ahead of Max in the race, if they then do team orders to get Max ahead, or whether they'll allow Checo to get to the checkered flag first. Um, But also, this this then leads on to how Mercedes react because, I mean, so far, as of recording, Mercedes have not been uh, at the races so far. I mean, it's going to be the second race as it looks where they're nowhere to be seen. Um, Obviously, disappointment at Monaco last time out, but also they seem to be struggling for pace around, around Baku as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they can claw any advantage back in time for the qualifying session uh, on Saturday. But also whether they can minimise any damage or even get lead of the championships back after this weekend as well. But so far, it looks very much in Red Bull's control.
0: Yeah, it does. And it's been a real weird sort of pendulum swing of momentum towards Red Bull Um, and yeah what on earth is going on with Mercedes we uh, I know we're very quick to react in Formula One and things happen very fast and we judge very quickly um, from you know this side of of where we're talking about it you know it's like the typical kind of armchair critic as it were however it is a little bit concerning um, given uh, we know their their dominance, and we did think Monaco was a one off because of sort of you know it being more of a street circuit, plays into Moore's uh, Rebels chassis and their setup with their cars. We know it's been very good in in sort of the high downforce circuits like that. So yeah, it's um it's very very strange. And also to mention, Ferraris, again we thought that was a one race fluke with Monaco, but in fact we've gone to what's considered a uh, a high powered uh, engine dependent track for baku of course with the one of the well longest straights in in the calendar uh and ferrari are there they're they're right up there with Rebel. um i thought i'm, I'm quite surprised by that as well we've just seen this drastic turn of pace where, where do you think this is emerged from chris
1: uh i think it's to do with what they said back in monaco they've done something to the wings where you know we've got this whole limbo wing situation going on Um, And they said they're going to take advantage of it. And they've got until the French Grand Prix before action takes place. This is the last Grand Prix before then. So, you know, they're going to do what they can. And uh, this weekend, the FIA have asked the teams to put a couple of dots on the rear wing so they can measure uh, and track measuring of how much it flexes over, of course, mainly down the straight and obviously moving back into the corners. Um, So, you know, again this race could be another sort of weird one but then france it could be completely different you know and teams sort of change drastically in positions again and mercedes might suddenly be ahead again we we don't know it's very much all up in the air um but i mean we've we've i've, I've personally said it since the start of the season the red Bull's got the strongest car and at the minute it is very very
0: obvious to see. Do you think it's very odd that they've waited, the FIA particularly are waiting until the French Grand Prix to change this? Because it's it's there, right for everyone to see now. The the evidence has been thrown out. We've seen it all online and on YouTube and whatever. Um, but they're still letting teams go ahead of it even though it seems still a little bit contentious. What what do you think about that?
1: Um Yes and no. Um I think they've done it so that teams can have the time to rectify if they are knowing that they're out of breach. Um, but also, there, there isn't many ways to measure on track. You know, it's easy to measure when you're in the pit lane because the car's stationary. The only thing you've got to go on is camera angles. You know, and it's got to be very hard to try and get every single degree of angle while a car's moving at 230 mile an hour or 220 mile an hour. Or, you know, you've only got... Such quick reactions, but by the time you're getting into turn one, say in Baku, you know, you're breaking about 150, 100 meters before the corner. So you're going to be such a quick thing of trying to measure it that I think now they've got this place where they've got, I think they're only really little sticker dot things to go on the rear wing, but it's enough to, they can then measure how far and close the dots get. Um, I think I think that's the reason why they've taken the time.
0: Do you think then, when we get to France, uh, number one, do you think the FIA will rule that it's illegal and very and a bit contentious and a breach of the regulations? Uh, and number two, if so, do you feel like we'll see just a massive reset uh, of of performance uh, across the grid? Um,
1: I don't know what the FIA are going to rule. Um, it potentially could rule in favour of those that are opposing the current uh, issue. Or it could be that they say it's fine. I, I don't know the FIA do their own thing with regards to this. I mean, we've had all sorts of different things where we thought
0: things were going to happen and it turns out that they're not. Yeah. Um, What's your, what's your gut feeling though? I feel as, as a, as a fan that's seen how FIA react to things like this in the past and, certain things that have happened.
1: I think in terms of the championship, uh, I think that they're not going to make it illegal. I think they're going to say it's fine, but they'll do what they did with Das last year and they're going to say it's fine for this year, but not again.
0: Not next year, yeah. yeah. Um, just because that's,
1: again, it's sort of like a safety thing of, and like they said like that's yeah it's fine for this year but don't do it obviously for this season. Um but then it would then I think more teams have got a flexi rear wing compared to others. I think it would just mean that the likes of Merck are gonna have to stop development for next season's car and get try trying if they want to win the championship this year they're gonna have to develop a rear wing that f- complies and gets them closer to the Red Bulls. Um but Again, I don't know. It could be a complete other way around. And, you know, the Red Bull teams might have to then fix their rear wings and, you know, who knows. But I, I think
0: whichever way you look at it, I think the Red Bull team are still going to be the stronger ones out of the two. It's hard to believe you just think if this does do a full reset of like the team's performance across the grid, you could see like, <laughs> I mean, I say this with a pinch of salt, of course, but... Haas have claimed third place at this weekend's French Grand Prix. Um, I mean, that would I be. Are you going to
1: need more than a picture? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, it would be interesting to see how this all plays out. But yeah, for for this weekend at least, um, that's maybe where Ferrari's got some of their pace. Very very interesting, and of course, um, very typical of Formula One to have these little thoughts um, and. Uh, I mean, politics going oh, I on. I think
1: going back to that point, I think. If it comes back that it's going to be ruled legal, then Red Bull have clearly just won up Mercedes on the innovation side. It's, you know, Mercedes have been notorious for being the innovation kings, but maybe Red Bull just had one more trick in the bag before the end of the uh, turbo hybrid era.
0: Yeah going out with a bang, uh, a, a final calling as such. Uh, right, thoughts for the race, Chris? What are we thinking? Um, seeing what we've seen in practice uh, and those kind of things. Um, how do you think it's going to play out?
1: Uh, I think we're going to see Bert Mylander earning his pennies. <laughs> um, I feel like there will be a Mazepin holding someone up, which we've already seen so far this weekend. Um I feel like we're going to have a first lap incident but I think it's going to be um yeah a, a somewhat of a miracle to see a Mercedes on the podium.
0: Wow, that's and and who thought we'd be saying that a few races ago, right? That's um that's a bold claim. Your crystal ball is is throwing up quite an entertaining race it seems.
1: I mean, I I got I say I'm gonna keep bringing it up until you get one, but I got I got a perfect prediction a few races ago, so uh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I, I I'm hoping. I mean, to be fair, I I mean I've I know who I'm saying for my podium a bit later on, but
0: well, let, let's 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 do it now as you as you've come on to it. Um, I think this one personally is it's sort of disrupted the status quo where we're at this weekend. Um. It's quite quite a tricky one. Um, so if we do call this one right, I think we've done quite well. Yes. Um I'm gonna be bold and say Perez will get pole. I mean, I said it was bold, but that's who I think we're gonna gonna see on the top step. Um but we're just because Perez has been very, very um always very good around streets of Baku when he was, it was racing point. So, so is that Paris for pole or Paris? for? I the haven't win? said for the win yet, but I feel like, Ooh, for the win, I feel like Charles Leclerc will win. I feel like he, well, that's, that's, that's if he doesn't go into the castle section and says, I am stupid. Um, <laughs> if he can make it past there, then, um, well for, for several, several laps, then, um, we'll see um second place for me i think mm, let's go max verstappen and i think sadly perez will end up in third place so
1: you think he's going to make it a hat trick of third places here
0: i do yeah i think i just think max and leclerc's race pace is um it's too quick i just have a feeling as well with ferrari where they're at um they're lonely they're literally marginal Sort of, sort of, thousands behind Red Bull, aren't they, at the moment? So, um, yeah, very interesting. We'll see what happens. Those are my predictions, Chris. What are, you, what are you going with? So, I'm gonna follow you for one of your predictions. I'm equally gonna <laughs> say
1: Perez on pole. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just for his pace yesterday, he, he was he, he was pretty quick on them uh, option tires. So, I just feel like yeah. he's gonna be the one to um, look out for. Race wise, I'm going slightly different. I, I'm thinking Max. I think Red Bull are going to play the team game, and Max is going to win, uh, just to bolster that championship
0: really? position. That I could start Paris getting is... quite um quite fruity this season if that keeps happening and Paris finds yeah. his
1: groove. I um I think Paris is going to come home in second, and then for the first time in the hybrid era, I'm going to say it's going to be an all Honda podium, and I'm going to say Gasly for the Wow.
0: Fun. That would be a real um, a real shock, wouldn't it? Seeing three Honda engines, but we know the Honda power unit um, is going out with a bang this season before they leave the sport, and it's it's performing really well. Um, probably quite quite a lot of the reason why Alpha Tauri are are up there uh, in in strong in the midfield. So um,
1: yeah, I mean, well, Gasly, you know, last year he won at Monza, which is very much a high speed circuit. This yep, is again, yep. quite high speed. Got a bit of a slow section in the middle, but. On the whole, you, you need a lot of top end speed, and you know the Avatar yeah. does have that.
0: And of course, anything could happen. Where you were suggesting many safety cars happening in the race? Um, I mean, no, in my life, can happen. All three of them
1: will crash out in the first lap. Now,
0: well, that's yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then we'll have a completely different podium. Um, and and how quickly fortunes can change because we we thought um, um, you know Norris is going to get third, and I predicted that right for for Monaco last time out. But McLaren don't really seem to be in the mix at the moment really ricardo down um below the below the 10th position um so in the bottom 10 and norris um having quite a few spins into the runoff areas so it's all a bit rusty for them having not been there for a couple of years so um how quickly things can change an exciting race though ahead i think um back always throws up a a, a good race and um we'll we'll see how it all fo- unfolds for this weekend's um, Grand Prix, round six of the F1 Championship. Um, I think we've covered everything off there, haven't we, Chris?
1: I think we have, Jake.
0: Lovely. All right. Well, until next week, um, we will see you here on Around the Outside. Thanks for listening to this episode. Take care, and uh, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. All right, take care. That was very pointless style, wasn't it, Chris? It was. (laughs) See you soon. Bye-bye.